What do we do? What do we do? There's nothing we can do. Nothing? Except learn about the structure of the sun. What fun. If you look out the portal windows conveniently placed in front of you, first we have the corona. An aura, or crown, of plasma extending millions of kilometers out into space. It is up to 300 times hotter than the lowest layer, the photosphere. The corona is hotter? Yeah, even though it's farther from the core. That's right. And the reason why is a mystery to this day. The corona appears as plumes of ionized gas blowing into space. As these gases cool, they become the solar wind. The corona is actually five different coronas, each having a different light-emitting process. That's five. Five coronas. Five coronas in one. It reminds me of Hawaiian holiday ad. <laughs> by, by breakfast. We call them the K-corona for the German word kontinuarlich, or continuum. The E-corona for emission. The F-corona for Joseph von von Hofer, the Bavarian physicist. The T-corona for thermal. And the S-corona for sublimation. Now we're passing into the chromosphere. The name means sphere of color. Yes, a rather nice rosy red, isn't it? I can't believe I'm saying this, we're going to die. Yes, it appears red because the superheated hydrogen is burning off. It is thought the chromosphere might conduct heat from the interior of the sun up to the corona. This layer is 3,000 to 5,000 kilometers deep. And oh, yeah, that's roughly New York to Salt Lake City at the minimum and New York to Dublin at the maximum. What are those dark, tenderly bits? Oh, those jets are called spicules. Each one is roughly 500 kilometers in diameter. New York to Pittsburgh. And they can extend up to 10,000 kilometers in length. Uh, New York to Tokyo. They're fast, aren't they? Yes, they travel upwards at about 20 kilometers per second. They only last for about 15 minutes, though. Then they collapse. Spicules are associated with areas of high magnetic flux. Now where are we? This is the photosphere. This layer is about 500 kilometers deep. New York to Pittsburgh. Yes, Sarah, thank you. Doctor, there are bright and dark bits here. Yes, the photosphere has bright granules of plasma as well as dark sunspots. The granules last about eight minutes, which give this layer that boiling look, see? When the sun's magnetic field moves through its surface, those active magnetic regions become sunspots. The reason they're dark is because they expend lower quantities of energy at lower temperature levels than surrounding parts of the sun. Oh, this is where the sun's light actually comes from. Yes, this is where the energy of the sun is released as light. That's why we call it the photosphere, or sphere of light. This is the deepest part of a star that is transparent to photons. The temperature here is between 4,230 and 5,730 degrees Celsius. Yeah, that's roughly 37 times the cooking temperature of toffee. (laughs) It doesn't seem like a lot, really. Toffee? What? What kind of a... And how can you be thinking about sweets at a time like this? You know what? Scratch that. I'm feeling a bit peckish myself. Now we are entering the convective zone. 
But why is it so turbulent here, Doctor? The plasma in the convective zone is not as viscous as the previous layers. The zone is named after the transfer of heat. And there's so much movement here. The patterns of motion are quite complicated, resulting in high turbulence. It's like riding a roller coaster strapped to another roller coaster. We have passed into the radiative zone, the innermost shell where the sun's energy is carried out by, you guessed it, radiation. But the plasma density is so high the radiation doesn't travel in a direct path, oh no. In fact, it can take up to 170,000 years for it to pass through the radiative zone. And I thought the queue at the post office was slow, or just trying to get past two lorries that were deciding to pass each other on the A1. Leave it, David, leave it. It's done. <laughs> it takes so long because the photons travel only a short distance before... They're scattered or... Bloop! Absorbed by another particle. This shifts them to longer and longer wavelengths, you see. I think so. So the, the, the shorter the wavelength, the quicker the particles move when they've absorbed a photon. So, when you enter the post office, your wavelength must get longer. Yeah. Uh, where to next, Doctor? Yeah, where are we going now? Hmm? Nowhere. Nowhere? Well, there's a core, of course, but we won't survive that. There. There it is again. D- don't either of you hear that? I just, uh, just add into the tension. You know, just a bit of tape. I don't think the tension needs your help, Sarah. Sorry, my, my thumb just, 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 I just... I just hit the uh, button. Uh, so, um, Doctor, uh, are we just going to... I mean, are we going to, you know... Oh, that's a nice trick with your gloves on, but... Yes, something like that, yeah. We just had to call the show Hostile Worlds, didn't we? Not Cream Puff Worlds or, or Willy Again Millie with the world. sweets. What? Not Kitten and Flower Worlds. No, of course not. What were we thinking? Hang on. Hang on. We might survive the core if we activate the experimental temporal suspension fluid. The what? The TSF. It was invented to allow for first-hand observation of the sun's life cycle. The entire purpose of my study. A membrane of chronometric fluid surrounds the solar bathysphere and allows me to uh, observe the sun's evolution at high speed. When we emerge from the other side of the distortion field, I should be able to evaporate the fluid and return us back to our normal time. What do you mean, should? Okay, here we go. Uh, was that uh, a happening sound or a, a not happening sound? Ah, there we go. Excellent. The fluid is protecting us from the sun and simultaneously propelling us forward in time. Now, if you look to your left, you'll see the rapid advancement of our sun's life cycle. It's just like when Matthew spoke with the observational astronomer Dr. Alex Schultz in episode 6, The Life Cycle of a Star. He studies problems in star and planet formation. 
I haven't heard that episode yet. It's in the, it's in the queue, though, so I'll, I'll get to it. Uh, truth be told, I only listen to the ones I'm in. So. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, oh. This is not true, actually. I do actually listen to all of them. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, look at that, though. The sun's expanding. <laughs> is it going to explode? No. Our sun doesn't have the required mass to go supernova. And then, then what is it doing, Doctor? Our star is a main sequence star. So let us watch as hydrogen is converted to helium through nuclear fusion. Every 100 million years, its luminosity will increase by 1%. Wow, that's dramatic. But it is, Sarah. Why, over the last 4.5 billion years, the sun's luminosity increased by 30%. And another 1.1 billion years plus... All right, let's call it 2018 plus 1.1 billion. The sun will have gained an additional 10% brightness, making the Earth as warm as Venus. Ah, Venus. In 2018 plus 3.5 billion years, the sun will be 40% brighter. Can you imagine? Oh, that's like turning the dial to 11. Huh? Yeah, and that would that would boil the Earth's oceans. Yes. The ice caps, they'll, they'll melt and disappear. That's right. In fact, all water vapor on Earth will be gone. Just poof. Thrilling, ain't it? It will take about five billion years for our sun to become a red giant as its core hydrogen exhausted. We can see many of those years passing us by now. Oh, there goes one. So this expansion we're watching, it's the outer shell cooling and becoming red as it reaches farther and farther out. Yes, the hydrogen is nearly gone now. And soon the sun will no longer generate heat. The core will contract. The helium, which is currently inert, will become unstable and collapse under its own weight, fusing into carbon. And when our sun is a red giant, it'll grow so large that it'll consume Mercury, Venus, and then the Earth itself. To coin a phrase, whoa. The chronometer indicates we've raced 500 million years into the red giant phase, and our sun is now 200% larger. In the next billion years, it'll lose an entire third of its mass. How long can this go on? Our sun now has 120 million years of life remaining. No, is that all? You see? The core is ignited. 40% of the sun's mass will now convert to carbon within minutes. Minutes? But everything's been taking billions of years, but suddenly... It is done. Quips aside, I am getting a little nervous here. Tell me about it. Now this phase is called the asymptotic giant branch. Over the next 20 million years, our sun loses mass through a series of thermal pulses. Each pulse hits once every 100,000 years. One, two, three. That was 300,000 years. And the sun's luminosity is now 5,000 times what it was in 2018. And its radius is increasing until, until, until. There goes Mercury. 500,000 more years. One million years. Two. 3.8 million years. Venus. No. 
David, my friend. Wait, 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 Doctor. Is that... Yes, the Earth. Doctor, Doctor, make it stop. I, I, I don't think I can bear seeing the Earth vaporized. Just stop. Well, all right. I suppose I could spare you the inconvenience. Just throw this switch here. Please tell me that's a good uh-oh. There's no such thing as a good uh-oh. Here comes the Earth, approaching fast. Well, technically, we're the ones doing the approaching, since the solar bathosphere is currently riding the surface of the ever-expanding sun. I can't watch. Hey, I think I can see my house from here. David, it, it is unlikely that your house would be there after all this time. Audrey! <laughs> Not to be rude, Sarah, but surely by now your cat has... Well, that was disappointing. Requiescent party. What... what did you just say? This is Latin. It's a, it's a dead language. It? Yeah, well, they're all dead now, aren't they? Oh, poetry. Our son has become a white dwarf. Oh, fascinating. We only have a few trillion years to wait before it fades into its final phase, the Black Dwarf Phase, as hypothesized. A phase so long in the making no known star has ever reached it, because the universe itself is simply too young. I guess you could say this is the final sunset. Except there is no horizon, and the sunset is defined as the moment the trailing edge of the sun vanishes beneath the horizon, so... Oh, thou golden sunset, beautiful to see. Ever thy bright gleams will seem glorious to me. I feel lonely. We're, we're right here, David. I mean, apart from you two. Oh, thank you, David. <laughs> now it's just us three. And a dead star makes four. Maybe I didn't really think this through. Although this is it then. Three humans lost amongst the cosmic dust, the vast inky sea, the infinite void. It ends here. Yeah. I mean, we invented the wheel, the printing press, and fidget spinners, and no one could have predicted our ignominious end. Unless. Unless? The switch is broken. If I could pop off the end cap, maybe I could just... There. Now if I could only turn the screw under the rocker switch, except... Yes, go on. All I've got is a flathead. I need a Phillips screwdriver. (laughs) Which of those two sentences generated humor? I think she's gone space happy, Doc. No, 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 no. See, I uh, I just happen to have here in my possession a Phillips head screwdriver. <laughs> Jay David, uh, hand that over to the good doctor, if you please. With pleasure. Here you go, Doc. Thank you. And... Wonderful. The temporal suspension fluid has been released from the bonding agent. It's evaporating. The solar bathosphere is rewinding. <laughs> it's working. Ah, oh, the sun is getting younger. Amazing. Truly 
remarkable. Oh, look, the earth. Oh, he's coming back. Oh. I can see my house from here. Oh, poor tree. Mama loves you. Love you, love you, love you. I'll just speed up the process and... We're here, in our original time, in a safe orbit. Oh. Oh, please, not another uh-oh. We've arrived 30 seconds before the same coronal mass ejection that originally broke our tether. Ah, that's great. We, uh, we should warn ourselves, but... Uh... Miss out on that adventure? No. We mustn't interfere with our past selves. Speaking of which... Yeah, look, there we are. I wonder if we can hear ourselves on the comms. That'd be trippy. Objects have lower numbers, so a bright star would be first magnitude. Hey, it's me. The lines I burn. Oops. Look, I just, I just lost my screwdriver. I mean, her, the, the, the other me, the younger me. Oh, to be that age again. But this, this is, this is good. I, I should toss my screwdriver out the hatch and complete the temporal causality loop. Oh, I'm a proper time traveler. Oh, I've never been more. Proud. My first screwdriver. <laughs> Splendid. Oh, I didn't expect this. Oh, wait, oh, do I throw the screwdriver in my hand? That would be a bootstrap paradox, yeah? I, I think. So, should I throw the first screwdriver back so I can catch the same one? Or. Oh, no, I'm muddled. Is this, this a fixed timeline, like the, the Terminator, or, or a dynamic timeline, like Back to the Future? Sarah! <laughs> Any advice, Doctor? I don't know. Throw the one in your left hand. Is that the one I had, or the one I just caught? I've already forgotten. Oh, it's like, by the time you get back to your seat, you can't remember which coffee's yours and which is your mate's. If they didn't write your names on the cups, I mean, that would be what would happen. Sarah, they're literally identical. Throw one! Oh, okay. Here goes. Alu. Well, how's that? I guess. And here comes the coronal mass ejection. And there we go. Falling into adventure. Oh, the solar bathysphere looks so small from the outside. Yeah, it looks small from the inside, too. Hmm. Now then, before you return to your ship, shall we open the cold storage container? What? Now? There's no piranhas. There's no piranhas. Did you say cold storage? How does that make any sense? Well, it makes just as much sense as piranhas, to be honest with you. Oh. Is that... Wait, don't say anything. What do you think is in the storage container, dear listener? Write to us and let us know. Send your guest to Hostile Worlds P.O. Box. It's ice cream. Ah, David, you spoiled my fun. No, I just collapsed the wave function. Plus, I could really go for some ice cream. So, what'll it be? Chocolate, vanilla, a rocky road. Oh, um, uh, uh, chocolate, please. Oh, a, a rocky road, please. Here you both are. Oh, thank, thank you. you. And vanilla mm. for me. Oh, um, Doctor Solarius. Oh, brain food. I've been meaning to ask, are you, um, 
Are you a scientist scientist or, or an actor scientist? Yes, I think so. That clears that up then. Colin to the solar bathosphere. Colin to the solar bathosphere. Hello Colin, just having a frosty treat. Well, no offence team, but we can't dally about the sun all day. Return to the tardigrade, we'll be on our way. We'll be right with you. Oh dear lord. We already made a bright pun, David, so... Oh uh, yeah, true, true. Sorry to be so uh, light on substance, hmm? Please, no. <laughs> Sarah, what is it? Are you alright? There's ice cream headache. Tongue, tongue to the roof of my mouth. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Hostile Worlds. That's a podcast created and presented by thepodcasthost.com. Voices heard here were by Sarah Golding, Tanya Milochovic, David Altz and Colin Gray. And this is the second half of our special two-part episode guest written by William J. Meyer. He's the creator of Strange Love, which is a short story anthology podcast featuring tales of offbeat love. Find out more over at strangelovepodcast.com. It also brings down the curtain on season one of Hostile Worlds, and we're looking for your feedback and input as we gear up to plan season two. Head on over to hostileworlds.net slash survey to have your say. We really would appreciate your thoughts, your opinions, and your suggestions. That's hostileworlds.net slash survey, and everything you can do to help us make a great season two would be much appreciated. Thanks again for listening to this season, though, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.